0: Welcome to Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And Cindy, it was cold. It's Mm. been cold. Mm -hmm. You know what that means.
1: It's so fun. It's so wonderful. I love it. Yeah, I know what it means.
0: I I know what it means to you. It's always (laughs) snowing in your brain. You wait for this time of the year.
1: I love it. I love it. I live for it. Can't wait.
0: Food-wise...
1: Mm-hmm. wine
0: wise it it begs a change well right? see
1: I also love this time of year for cooking too so I like it all yeah, yeah you want braised dishes and wonderful yeah. long low. slow cooked food right yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah low and slow long and careful mm-hmm. thoughtful things you you put a lot of care and thought into oh, that, and
1: the, and the nice not. thing about these these cuts of meat and birds and things that we use this time of the year are less expensive because they're off you know they're not primal cuts well
0: they, ca- they can be
1: they can be. They can be. are not you, especially
0: if, Go ahead. If you pick the things that are not super fashionable, mm-hmm. like all of a sudden um, duck legs are very fashionable. So confit, which is a classic, duck leg confit is a classic thing for comfort in the wintertime that you would make, right? But
1: Well, yeah, they used to be like 3 69 a pound. They're not anymore. Oh,
0: yeah, it, a, it's oh. a
1: huge change. Well, it's still less expensive than your you know beef tenderloin at God knows how much money. So, yeah. you know, that's so, the difference. It, it While it, it all follows each other, while the, the 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 off-prime cuts are less expensive, they are more expensive than they ever have been.
0: True. For some, for some things, like, say, veal, for example, scallopini are nice to have and they can make beautiful dishes. But, to me, or veal tenderloin is fabulous, mm-hmm. but these things these are pretty delicately flavored meats. Mm-hmm. If you're a meat eater and if you want more rich flavors, especially this time of the year, braise a veal shoulder. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Braise, you know, braise veal
1: necks. Well, yeah. and Veal shoulder has all sorts of wonderful, you know, it has a good amount of fat in it. You know, it's it's got connective tissue and all kinds of things that add gelatin to the dish. So, you know, some if you can get, you know, parts with bones in as well helps too. that
0: creates flavor. Yeah. I mean, it's the the, that and the initial sear when you go to braise. One, let's talk about process of braising just the steps, um, mm. like uh, out of the gate, for, for different kinds of items. Because braising uh, chicken is very different from braising True, for a, sure. an entire veal shoulder. Right. Or lamb shanks or venison shanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yeah. A, that's a great thing, venison shanks. Oh, gosh, yum. Venison osubuco.
1: Well, and there's a lot of hunting going on um, last couple of weeks, too, so the season was open for deer. Yeah, it's
0: very different braising something like a chicken. You know, or uh, uh, an entire veal shoulder or lamb shanks or venison shanks. Oh, my gosh. I love venison. Yeah.
1: And deer season just opened up, too. So uh, it was open for a couple weeks. I don't know if it's over. But, yeah, so there's probably a lot of folks that have some wild game they can brace. Um, I You know, I think the biggest thing is, okay, what is it coming out of? For us, a lot of our, our big pieces of meat come out of cryovac, which means you really have to let it air out for a minute. And then you have to blot it with a paper towel. Um, and, you know, get that excess blood off the outside of it because it's just going to splatter all over you when you go into a hot pan with oil. As we all know, oil and water, oil and liquid don't mix. So you want to try and get some of that excess off, and then, um, you know, you're either cutting, if it's a big piece of meat, like a veal shoulder, you're probably cutting it into large pieces. Uh, And then, you know, as always, whenever you're trying to brown something, you have to have a large surface. You have to have the right size surface to brown on.
0: So... Steps of braising, you have to have a large vessel, mm-hmm. a, a, a larger vessel than you probably think with a heavy bottom to initially... So it's veal shoulder, it's an enormous right. roasting pan. If it's chickens, it's something that's big enough for at least two of whatever it is that you're going to braise. Yeah. Because a lot of liquid is going to go in there. Right. But you also need the big heat conduction in the initial searing, right? Right. That's why you need that heavy bottom.
1: So I want to talk about pans. All right. So... What you're saying is absolutely correct, and then also you have a sautus and a sautoir. I was describing this to my cooks the other day, because he was trying he was trying to a slope sided pan or a straight sided pan, and the difference between a slope sided you know something going out on an angle versus straight up and down makes a huge difference when you're browning something or trying to brown something. Um, you know he was cooking we we cook you know ten pounds of button mushrooms at a time and we need them to become caramelized, and if you're if the same process of trying to brown a piece of meat before you braise it if you're in a straight-sided pan just recognize that that contains the steam and if you're in a slope-sided pan the steam escapes better so more rapidly which allows obviously that's moisture you want it to escape because that helps you to brown your food better and quicker and nicer so um, <clears throat> I have actually gotten to the point where sometimes I'll, I'll sear something off in a separate pan that has a slope side just so that I can get it nice and brown. And then I put it in the pot that's the braising pot that's got high sides because I'm going to add a bunch of liquid and mirepoix and whatever else I'm going to add. So um, you, can do, you, you can do it all in one step if you want. You don't want to make two pans dirty. Believe me, I get it. I don't like doing my dishes. I love to cook, but I hate to do dishes. But, you know, it's an idea. Anyway, so you you, you my chefs in school always said smoking. Your oil needs to be to the point. Of smoking. And that's a little scary to tell somebody that's cooking at home. So I'm going to say just before the point of smoking oil, uh, that's when you want to start to add your food.
0: So that's when you see the oil like moving around on the pan on its own.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, you, you only put in one layer of meat. Or fish, or what you know, whatever in the world you're cooking, well, anything that you're you're braising. So one layer, let it brown, turn it around, get it brown on all sides, and if you have to, take that out, put some more oil in. and or remove the old oil and add new oil if your if your oil is too dark, you might want to get it out of there, and add fresh, and continue until all of the meat is beautifully browned. And um, you know, it can be sitting on a sheet pan next to your stove while you're doing different batches. And, and
0: it and it takes patience and it takes Mm. moving it around and it takes also if you're using tongs or multiple instruments for a larger piece like i'm one of the strange people that i want to braise an entire beale shoulder not the pieces okay so um, to to move that guy around it takes you know like two two big sets of tongs or a big fork and a a set of tongs just to maneuver that in the pan and to do it carefully, thoughtfully, so you don't splash yourself. Right. Well, not the other that's thing. It's a big deal.
1: You are dealing with high heat, fat, and liquid. So please be very careful because it will splatter on you. Um, so then once it's nice and brown, the thing about if you do decide to brown in a separate pan, you need to deglaze that pan with liquid because that pan has developed a lot of flavor. So if you are taking that advice of trying to do some in a separate pan, make sure you deglaze it with uh, light stock or red wine or whatever liquid it is you're adding to your you could even deglaze with water if you wanted to, but obviously it's better to add something with flavor. But anyway, the the pot where it, let's say you're doing it all in one, you're deglazing that pan with, uh, you know, in the case of veal shoulder, probably white wine, um, a light chicken and veal stock or even chicken stock or just veal stock, any of the above or combination. And um, I'm sorry, prior to that, you want to add your mirepoix. I'm sorry, before you deglaze, you would add mirepoix. So carrots, celery, onion in this case. Um, I would go light on carrots for veal. I would go heavier on carrots for beef, for lamb, or venison. Um, But, you know, it's usually 50% uh, onion, 25% celery, 25% carrot.
0: With with classic mirepoix, I would use for poultry, for pork, for veal. When I get into things with stronger flavors, Mm -hmm. like lamb... -hmm. Uh, Like venison, honestly, beef as well. I'll put fennel in that mix as well. Fennel? Fennel. Dried or fresh? No, fresh. Oh, nice. Mm. Into the mirepoix. It's just, it's another aromatic. It's very unusual. It's another aromatic.
1: Okay. You have to like fennel to do that, but that would be
0: delicious. it, It just, it, It it balances with with some of the gaminess and stronger flavors. (laughs) Yeah, I get it.
1: So once you've added your mirepoix, work it around in the pan a little bit and then then deglaze with red wine, white wine, stock, whatever you're using, and add your aromatics. So in most cases, at least a few black peppercorns and a little bit of bay leaf, a couple of them. You don't need, you know, 25. Um, And if you do like thyme or if you think that's appropriate or if you want a little sprig of rosemary, just be careful because it's a long cook time. You don't want a lot of... You want it to be kind of neutral as it's going through the cooking process. Um, You can start to add things when it's done.
0: What you want is to heighten the flavor Mm -hmm. over time of the product you're cooking.
1: Exactly. Which that stock ends up being the best, especially if you're using something with bones. Because all that meat and bone makes for a delicious broth in that pot. You know, it's going to be... Really good. And then and so you bring it up to a boil, and then you turn it down to the lowest simmer um, and just let it go very, like you say, low and slow. And you can choose to put a lid on it. You can choose to put it in your oven. You can do it on the stovetop. Whatever you want to do, it, it works both ways.
0: But so, that, so that you can visualize it, what you have is a large vessel that at this point has that, that meat that you browned mm-hmm. well on all sides
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, that, that has all the vegetables, the mirepoix, and the other aromatics that you add to it, that are tossed in there, that are then, and all of it is immersed in whatever the liquid is you're braising it in. Mm-hmm. If it's the stock or you know whatever the appropriate liquid is. You, you, you really want
1: it the liquid a couple of inches above the level of all the product
0: because yeah, it's going to reduce.
1: Yes, yeah, and you want to keep it at that level while it's
0: and it's and it's going to be there for a while. That's why the, the oven oftentimes is the easiest way to deal with it.
1: It just depends on if you are strong enough to. You know, look at it, pull the thing out, you know, pull the rack out. Maneuvering it. Yeah, yeah, either way. You know, and sometimes we don't have the luxury of keeping it on the stovetop. Maybe we have to go into the oven because you need your stovetop for something else that you're doing. Um, And that's understandable. I mean, I used to live in an apartment with two burners. So, you know, (laughs) a lot went in the oven. So uh, that's, you know, it just depends on what equipment you have.
0: So uh, I guess one of the the questions is then, of course, what, what do you do with the dish like this? What do you do? Alongside of it, what what is the end result? How long, uh, let's say, if you're braising uh, chickens or you're braising uh, lamb shanks, veal shanks, you know, or that entire veal shoulder, how long? How do you know it's done?
1: You want it to be what we say fork tender, so you should be able to literally just pull it apart with a fork, and then it's done. It really should be; you wouldn't need a knife, in other words, to eat it.
0: All but falling off the bone.
1: Right, And, and not quite, but all but right, and also with that liquid. Um, You know, you kind of the next step of the process is once the meat is tender uh, or bird, whatever you're doing, and you pull that out and then you want to kind of decide what you're doing with your liquid. You know, this wonderful flavor, most likely you're straining it because all the mirepoix is dead at this point and you want to get the bay leaves and peppercorns out. So you would pull the meat out, try to watch out for the bay leaves and the peppercorns. You want to discard those um, and then strain the liquid and put it. You can either put it back in that pot if that's appropriate or put it in another one and begin to reduce it. And if you feel like there's not enough flavor, reduce it. If you feel like it would be more appropriate, like say something like a, a a chicken broth, if you did coq au vin, you probably want to add a little uh, roux to it because something like that kind of light broth will not reduce down to sauce texture without you know going to the point of you're just like ooh this is awful. So with the lighter uh, birds and things, you would want to add a light roux and then let that cook out for 30 minutes, strain it again, um, and um, you know, and then it, it, maybe you want to add mushrooms to it or you want to add something else to that. Particular cooking process. Um, this is the time to do it. You can certainly add mushrooms from the beginning if you if you if you wish. But you could also add them now. And then, oh, what are the accompaniments? Are you maybe taking some of that broth out and making rice with it? Um, are you perhaps uh, just going to make a potato gratin, or you're going to make roasted root vegetables? Those are things that can happen completely separately.
0: Well, I want to dial back to the very beginning. One thing we we jumped right past. Mm-hmm. So you have these chickens, you have these lamb shanks, you have the veal shanks, you have whatever it might be. Um, You have to season them, and you have to do it thoroughly before they ever go in there. So after, whether it's coming out of cryovac, you know, the wrap and gets blotted or whatever, when that product is is dry and ready to go in, you have to season it really well. Mm -hmm. And that usually to do it best is you make almost like a, with a little bit of oil, neutral cooking oil like canola mm-hmm. or safflower or something uh, with a good bit of salt and a good bit of black pepper if that's your choice um, it, you can use other things as well if you wish but it, that wouldn't go too heavy in any direction but at least those things you, you want to all but massage mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> in, and if it's a bird it's inside and out yeah. with with that seasoning and that a lot of people neglect that um, you can't sprinkle salt on something that's cooked for four hours and 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 have it be seasoned. It doesn't work. It, it has to happen from the beginning. Mm-hmm. The uh, a a lot of the you know old guys I grew up cooking with was always you season three times, mm-hmm. not heavily any time mm-hmm. in the beginning, during cooking, and to finish. Yeah. And you okay. know and, and and it doesn't mean it's crazy, but being patient and thorough and doing that before it ever goes in the pan has a lot to do with the flavor that you develop. Over time,
1: Well, and be conscious of the fact that when you do season it, that it's becoming a part of the sauce so that your sauce may not need a lot more seasoning, you know, because it's going to cook so long. So be conscious of that. Be careful seasoning in the middle. Yeah.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. That's good.
1: I almost asked you that, and and I should have, because there are times when I will braise something and I won't season it first. It's very rare, but... Uh, I think it really has more to do with a long, you know, if it's a really long cook time. But yeah, I mean, okay. it does make sense to me that you would season it well in the beginning.
0: I will, I will admit, I, I tend to have a very personal relationship with whatever it is <laughs> that I'm going to braise, <laughs> and that seasoning. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, you know, it's. I mean, cooking is a physical act, well, right? That's
1: very true. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, <all> right. um, <laughs> you want to show
0: care. <laughs> So anyway, when 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 whenever this is finished, one of the things to think about is what are the characteristics of what's coming out of that pan, and what do you want to serve it with, and maybe if it's something, if it's veal, it's not an intensely flavored, but there's richness to it,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know. So you may not want the most intense things with that. That's not the place maybe for the the you know the the briny, spicy mustard greens.
2: No, <laughs> but but that's <laughs> yeah. certainly the place
0: for really like. A lovely uh, carrot gratin to go alongside oh, yeah. of it. yeah, that
1: would be nice. You know, mm-hmm.
0: or uh, maybe that's a good place for uh, you know a, a cauliflower and potato puree. Mm-hmm. Something you know, that, think about what what is that principal thing that's going to bounce off of? How well does that balance? And then what is the accent that goes with that? Again, what? like the veal, you don't want gremolata, but non-lamb shanks.
1: Yeah, you might.
0: <laughs> you might, you know, you want you want the lemon, you right. want the garlic, you want the herbs, you want the little zip that's there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you want the little sharpness of the vinegar.
1: That's the whole key to cooking. Everything yeah. that goes with the main center plate item needs to simply be in harmony with it. Yeah, it's it's that's what it's, you're looking for. That's
0: that's what I look for. Yep, wine, with wine with the dish. It's all music and dancing. You know, mm-hmm. we'll get out of the dancing and further into wintertime cooking. Uh, more about braising winter vegetables. And winter wine, of course. Mm-hmm. On Formula Wolf on Food and Wine on WIPR. <music> Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And Cindy, we were, we're deep into braising before we it. got into ballroom dancing. It's
1: some of my favorite <laughs> cooking to be done. It Well, you know what?
0: Your whole house smells
1: great. Oh, it's so wonderful. And, you you know, and you can make it for a couple of days. You know, I mean, it's it's better the next day. It's just so, and you can make different dishes with it. I mean, that's the beautiful thing of it, just having that in the refrigerator seems like heaven to me. You know?
0: If you have a little bit of, like, leftover lamb shank. mm And you have like crusty bread. Oh yeah, you know you grill grill that. Oh yeah, a little bit of the and then a little bit of cold lamb shank. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, a a little like ayuli or something like a garlicky mayonnaise. You know, yummy. Fresh red onions, green olives. Okay. That's a that's that's a happy little. That sounds
1: really good to me. I could eat that right now.
0: Crostone. Well, and you
1: <laughs> you were talking about the garnishes, and you, you were talking about the veal, and of course the traditional Blanquette de Veau has the pearl onions or, and the button that, mushrooms. That, that's so,
0: one of the best practice it, dishes, because you, you, exactly. you can also take it, it, really you can is. Take it lighter or darker, because you can make it very pale yeah. and very delicate. Which is or, the way it's supposed to be made. Yeah, Or you can make it the Cindy way. And brown it. And brown it (laughs) because you want more flavor. I want more flavor, more horsepower in my blanket. Devoe. That's right. That's
1: right. Have you seen my car? But yes, (laughs) the traditional way of making Blancat Devoe is to not uh, brown the veal. um, So you go right into-
0: And use white veal stock.
1: Right, right. It's all about that. It's no. It's paleness. It's paleness, yeah. So the garnish is appropriate and perfect because oh, and you can use pearl onions or like I'll use cipollinis because I'm I love with cipollini onions, but it is traditional to use the little pearl onions and button mushrooms, and that's the garnish, and it's it's a delicious dish, and you absolutely have to add a roux to that uh, that sauce to make it the right consistency, just a light. Once upon, a, once
0: upon a time with Kiko for fun, hmm. made a version of that, but. Leaned it in a different way with lotus root and a little bit of ginger. Oh, that's neat. And it was oh, great. Yummy. It was great. Oh, my. Yeah, that sounds good. It was great.
1: Well, and sort of the opposite end of the spectrum, you've been talking about lamb shanks. I mean, you know, that is something where you really brown the meat and it takes a while to brown the meat. And that is a big piece of meat. Oh, my gosh. It's a big piece of meat, but it gives you, well, certainly not as big as your whole veal shoulder. I, I mean, no. I can't. Anyway, but you can cut up a veal shoulder. But though, with the lamb shank, it's got great because it's the leg bone. It has beautiful marrow in that bone. It has a beautiful bone. It has cartilage. It has all the good things that you need to make an absolutely delicious sauce. That's one of the reasons why people love braised lamb shanks so much. They don't realize that what they're probably really, really, really loving is an excellent sauce that yeah. can come from that. Yeah. Um, and the lamb shank can become very tender. And, you know, you can choose to pop that bone out of there and not serve it with a bone, or you can leave it on the bone and serve it either way. Um, but that dish, what would you, gar- you know, what are you thinking, garnish it? Because you need heavier, that, you know, you, stronger you w- you flavored. Want,
0: you want stronger things. I mean, that that's the place for your spicy mustard greens. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that that's the place for um, just stronger vegetables in general. I mean, uh, I mean spicy mustard greens, uh, turnips, Beets, you know, beets I,
1: would be really good with lamb shank. Oh, you don't like beets um, with lamb shank? Oh,
2: the, I do. Yeah,
1: yeah, like, I can do that. good red beets. Like, like, quite frankly, I was going to say red beets or chayogas. Not, yeah, not, not n- necessarily fancy ones, but not, not the goldens. Yeah, um, turnips. Okay, I've got a whole field of turnips uh, for you.
0: Oh yeah, I'd, I'd, a whole field. Turnip greens—they're big too. Turnips are perfect because the the, the 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 plant is a little bitter. The greens are very bitter, and and if you have some. A little like agrodolce or something with that, you know, something that's got a little bit of sweetness to it, to finish, like a toasted pine nut ag- ag- agrodolce. I was with, gonna say, what is garlic. that? Wait, I'm not sure what that is. Agrodolce, agro is, is bitter, dolce is sweet. Oh, oh, okay. So you're literally kind of like directly oh, hitting that so. sort of thing. Got it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but if or if you're doing like. Uh, if you have onions or shallots and and you cook them down in, well, in yeah, that no, style mm-hmm. as a garnish, as like a condiment,
1: I was going to say, in garlic too. I mean, it would be yeah. nice to have pieces of yeah. garlic and really just have you know all those things. You know, to me, parsnips would be roasted parsnips would be nice with that. Um, as well I love p- parsnips and celery we're doing celery chips right now sometimes for the bar uh, just for a little snack and oh my gosh they're so good so if you wanted something crispy to add to this dish that is all soft and tender it might be fun but, to have something like but, that
0: but the, having the bitter, the other thing I was going to say with, if you put the bitter garnishes like the turnips with and then polenta oh, gosh which is please. inherently sweet because of the corn oh, you know, so then you, right you right have now. you have a little vegetable agrodolce right there mm. you know.
1: polenta and lamb shank perfection Absolutely. Well,
0: I mean that's we we we're talking about this in the morning. I mean Yeah, I'm so hungry. Polenta with with <laughs> eggs, you know. Oh. Polenta with eggs. Yes. Polenta cooked in the duck fat from duck bacon mm. and duck eggs. Good and lemons. then little little duck bacon sandwiches that's alongside that. That's a good Sunday that. brunch item. That's yeah, it sure is. We
1: Need that for Sunday brunch. Yeah. Well, and also with, with a like glass of dolcetto. Yeah. Oh. And also with, uh, <laughs> with the braised, like if we were doing braised short ribs, beef short ribs, my favorite is, is potato gratin. I, I, or, 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 you know, you were mentioning like cauliflower gratin but, and potato maybe together. But potato gratin with cuyere and reggiano and a little bit of cream and salt and pepper between the layers. That's really my favorite with Sh- the, the flavor of the short rib and the sauce.
0: Short ribs with Brussels sprouts.
1: Oh, see, I, mean, I like I like beef. I'm just I, not big on Brussels sprouts. Oh, I'll eat them. You know, maybe maybe Brussels isn't into is into you either. Yeah, well, maybe not. But yeah, I'm not into Brussels sprouts, but that would be delicious with that Brussels sprouts would also hold up to. Well, they're so strongly flavored, they hold up to anything. Oh. So for for the lamb shank would be nice too. Maybe Bru- a little bit of bacon or pancetta on there.
0: Brussels sprouts done almost like um almost like a stir fry with mm-hmm. with with garlic and a little sesame mm-hmm. and a little soy. Yeah. That'd and be good. The short ribs and your potato business. Right, uh-huh. I, w- I wouldn't want that.
1: Yeah, or potato puree with, sh- with yeah. beef short ribs.
0: Well, that's with puree, maybe better.
1: So delicious. Yeah, and well, and then if you're thinking about making cocova, you know, that garnish is is with lardon. So that's the interesting thing. That's the thing that makes cocova, to me, so delicious is those yes. items that are traditional to that region of France for that dish.
0: Well, it's the other thing is a little secret about the cocova is like, Yes, you, you, there is flavor from the wine. Because literally, Coquivin is a, you know, a, a cock cooked in wine, right? Right, right. That's a the traditional. bird. Right. We call it a, a spent, spent bird. bird. Um, the sneaky great thing to me in Kokovan is the little bit of smoke that it picks up. I think if you're going to use bacon as a garnish, you don't just throw it in as a garnish. There has to be some in the cooking so I that agree. you get that smoke yes. in the dish. Not know. a lot, but
1: yeah. a little hint of it for sure. Yeah and 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 Cocova is just I mean it's it's the definition of braising because it is an older bird that they would tr- traditionally have used in France it's a bird that's not good for anything anymore you know so it's it really is tough so that's that's the definition of why you braise something to make it edible quite frankly and to not waste anything so it's good well and talk about prices pork is the least expensive thing you can buy right now sometimes that remains, and
0: sometimes really good quality pork berkshire pork yeah that's really beautifully raised and, and uh, humanely raised, and has great flavor. Mm-hmm. Has, that eats a great diet, so it provides excellent flavor.
1: Yeah, I made, I uh, bought uh, pork spare ribs for the first time I think in my entire life the other day, and we we ate them and for employee meal, and it was they were just I forgot how good they are. That meat between those bones is not a lot of it, but man, is it flavorful because of all that 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 the bone and everything and cartilage and um, the uh, the braising process with something like that is so much shorter because it's you know, a small piece of meat, and um, you know it's probably an hour, hour and fifteen minutes versus two or three hours, so that's nice. But um, you know, and that stock, it, once you eat the meat and you've you've got a sauce for it or whatever, you maybe reserve some of that and use that stock for a million other things. Um, one of which for me would be making hop and john. I love to make hop and john with that that pork uh, uh, spare rib stock. So that's kind you of. Have you ever fun.
0: braised a uh, whole fresh ham?
1: Uh, no. I've roasted a whole fresh ham, but I've yeah. never braised one.
0: That can oh. be that can be great. That's yeah. I'm just remembering my my great grandmother, one of her one of her things that, that she once in a while would make. Um, she'd take it, she'd split it like down one side mm. so you could get to the bone. Mm-hmm. And she'd stuff um garlic and, and season the inside and, and outside as well. And season and put some mustard seeds in there. And she put some mustard seeds in the uh, like the whole ones mm-hmm. in the raisin liquid and peppercorns. Okay, and, uh, yeah, that yeah, sounds was,
1: good. I think sometimes we forget that there is such a thing as a fresh ham. Yeah. I think that people think of ham
0: as only preserved.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, that 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 cut of the of the hog is is absolutely available fresh, and um, yeah, that's not expensive at all. Yeah. That's a very good thing to work with for yeah, a large group saw, of people. She
0: said that with kale, and she made apple jelly.
1: So what's the of the Maryland thing? I can't think of the name of is it. Is
0: the you're talking about the stuffed ham?
1: Ah yeah. Is is yeah. that sort of similar in a way?
0: It's it's I know someone It's all southern Yeah. Okay. I mean it's all southern cooking in the yeah. end. Yeah. But yeah, I mean you're using the what's sp- available at that time of the year. Right. Um but yeah, she would she would you know do do like spicy kale, mm. that and apple jelly. Oh apple jelly, really? And, oh my goodness. And, 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 I love big, it. and big surprise biscuits.
1: Oh, I- Oof,
0: yummy. Yeah. Wow, I'm just like... I, you, you want like big, fat, smoky Alsace Pinot Gris for something like that. Okay. You know, in, in, in a second. All right. A little bit sweet, rich, and good acid spine. It's interesting. I, I think the most interesting Cucoban recipe I ever heard um, was from a, a winemaker's uh, wife in Gébert-Chambertin. Uh, she always used some of the spent lees, mm. literally the dead yeast cells oh, from wow. the winemaking. In the braise, <laughs> wow! Which Yum! It's like you talk about your uh, your farmer's wisdom kind of thing. No, right? No, that's not available necessarily. No, in the, <laughs> not unless in you're making your own red two wine. Two one two something <laughs> zip code, but um, yeah, that. Uh,
1: Please, I wonder how much she you know. put in there. Probably just a little.
0: She said, mm. "You know, it's a, ha- a whip with a hand gesture. You know, like <laughs> love okay, it. love it. Thanks for the thanks for the guidance."
1: So what wine are we drinking yeah. with it? I don't know why. They, they,
0: I will admit, Italian grandmothers, no. the nonas, their direction in the kitchen uh. <laughs> much more precise than hey, the French hey, ladies who are hey. hey. careful about their secrets. Oh, you know? oh, okay,
1: I see what you're saying.
0: That's okay. all. That's all, right. all. Okay. All right. They were a little bit, you know, a little bit more generous with their uh, information <laughs> when I'm quizzing them over the years. Um, the, wine wise, to, it's going to sound funny, but I think I'd like. Darker, heavier Pinot Noir, more rustic. So Burgundy. I mean, it's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. That's where the dish is from. Of course. Um, but maybe not the big-name villages. You know, the, the villages up north, uh, Marcenay, you know, uh, Fissin. Um, and and south uh, of the Côte d'Or, um, in the area of uh, the Côte Chalonnais, Mercure, Côte uh, Givry, Givry can be really good with. Like gutsy Pinot, maybe not the most finesse, uh, but really satisfying and and can clean up that sauce. Great, you know, and and something and not too old.
1: So then they're less expensive. It's not too, something delicate right? because they're not yeah. in those.
0: No Burgundy is that inexpensive at this oh, yeah, point. Well, That's no, good quality. Certainly. Okay, got it. That, that being said, we're on a really good run of vintages. You got twenty-one is not good. Otherwise, mm. you know. It, which is the newest one that's in the okay. market at the at the moment? Twenty one is, but uh, twenty one is not the one you want. Got it. But twenty nineteen eighteen all strong seventeen, pretty darn decent. Well, that's good because it makes 16, it easier to remember. Sixteen very strong. Yeah. Fifteen is very solid. Stylistically, they're all a little bit different. I mean, if I was going to pick a year to have with it, you know, like a Marsanne from like seventeen or something, not too fruity, you know, mm-hmm. something like that would okay. be nice. You know,
1: what about with a lamb shank?
0: Lamb shank—it's really hard for me. It depends on the garnishes a bit, uh-huh.
2: um,
0: but but it's it's hard not to. It's it's hard not to go Italian and to think <laughs> more rustic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that's maybe that's not Borodo and Barbaresco, which can be pretty refined. Maybe that's more um, uh, go south to uh, Basilicata, to uh, Ariancio del Valtore, uh wines like that, or. um uh, what's just lots of... Mo- a Sagrantino from Umbria. You know, that uh, one of the real geniuses in Italian wine is, uh, is a producer, Paolo Beia. Bea. B-E-A mm-hmm. uh, is the last name. And uh, is several bottlings of Sagrantino and Sagrantino blends that are just stunning hmm. and super interesting. But uh, they can be marvelous. And what else? Um, from the Alto Adige, uh La Graine. Uh, which is yes German name. It's a it's a grape. That's in region of the old Austria Empire, you know. But that's dense, maybe the weight of like Syrah, something like that. Um, but we'll so do So Grein well. is a grape variety. La L A G R E I N. Okay, is a grape varietal. Hmm. It's um, yeah.
2: Okay. Not cool.
0: in some ways not unlike Alianico, not unlike um, some Syrah. It's in that family.
1: Yeah, it's good about the vintages. It's, I, that, I think that's one of my, my concerns when I go to buy wine is that I can't always remember what were the best years. Actually, there's,
0: a, there's a grape that grows that's uh, it's kind of an ancestor a relative, but from 3,000 years ago, grows down in uh, Calabria called Magliopo. <laughs> Galliopo is the most prominent, important red grape in that region. But Magliopo, actually, it, if you see it on the vine... And you see the leaf shape and the and the way it grows, it's so much like Syrah, and it's it's because it's related genetically hmm. um, to Syrah, and it's yeah. obvious that it that grape landed there, and worked and morphed and changed as it headed north, you know, to get to places like Hermitage,
2: hmm.
0: uh, or in, into into the Dolomites to in, to the grain.
1: Very good. But
0: good. Uh, yeah, that but that also if you find something that's that's malloco, or really robust Gallopo Malloco blend, from Calabria, which I don't know how much there is in Baltimore. Um, <laughs> the
1: uh, braised beef short rib. What we're would you we're like? gonna have
0: to get to that in the next segment. What okay. I would like is a big glass of something I'll tell you about in the next segment. <laughs> <laughs> on formidable phone food and wine on WYPR. Welcome back to Former Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman.
1: And Chef Cindy Wolf.
0: All right. You're asking about the braised short rib. Yes. Here's one of the few dishes where I would say, probably can drink whatever you want. Oh, no way. But red, yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty broad range that, that can work with that. Um, Cabernet Sauvignon. The, the people the people who are like, I love California Cabernet Sauvignon, then great. Um, Would I drink Bordeaux with that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what i drink uh a wine from spain uh, a rich tempranillo from ribeiro Duero, yes mm-hmm. in a heartbeat sure um what i drink wine from prirat and in catalonia uh, you know that's yes okay. in a heartbeat mm-hmm. what i drink big chefing so shet- at shet- the pop bring yes. on the cellar you just need flavor you just need flavor yeah, i mean that's right. okay. what i drink really robust burgundy sure in a heartbeat um Sira, um, there's a, you know, they're, they're excellent producers. That's all over the place. Washington State Tempranillo, sure. <laughs> I mean, that's that, that. There's a broad. It's a pretty neutral. It just it needs intensity and it needs some power to yeah. it.
1: Yeah, it's a good vehicle for something strong.
0: But it's it in its way, it's somewhat neutral. It doesn't want a particular edge like a lamb shank, hmm. and it doesn't require a, a a different kind of edge than something like cocoa You know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: the slightly trickier match is we talked about venison shank for a second that you know that's, that's something with good intensity but there's not much fat there Right. and, and the, the stock is not as strong in flavor so the meat has the strength of flavor more than the sauce has the strength of flavor and that's different from something like a short rib or a, a lamb shank you know so that's and that's, that's a little bit different it's that, more particular how you match that that's you know like counts classico you don't want to blow it up you don't want to blow it up but you want intensity and you want a little edge and and something to 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 some uh like almost something that that matches the umami edge of the gaminess of the of the meat or what can be a little bit gamey of the meat
1: well and hopefully you're serving something fatty with the venison too you you,
0: you know, would, since you would it think so is leaner. you would yeah, think so or
1: lean. Mm-hmm.
0: I've had very uh, like all-American versus that kind of thing, where it was like a you know a sweet potato dish uh, served along with you know whether it's sweet potato gratin or something like that,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, which you know again something like Costco that can work just fine. Um, I would you don't want delicate things with it. No. That's for sure. You you can it can take a little edge, but not nothing too spicy. I wouldn't say.
1: Well, the other thing you could do is you could actually add potatoes or something like that to the pot while you're cooking near the end of the cooking process too. That you actually don't strain out and that you eat. Yeah. You know, you could even do onion, onion, celery, a little bit of garlic, uh, the carrots and potatoes, and add it at the end. You know, like my mom would have mm. done. Honestly, that's what she used to do with her lamb stew. Well, I grew up eating lamb stew with carrots and. Onions she would actually she would buy pearl onions for that when she could find them, and um potatoes in, and those potatoes are i mean man, there's nothing better than those potatoes cooked in that lamb broth, so that would be nice for the venison to do as well
0: that's I've made gramalata before for that, but instead of the lemon uh crushed pomegranate seeds, mm. yep, into that, and that has its own little particular bit bitter
2: edge right. to it, you know. Right.
1: We work with pomegranate molasses too, and um, it might be fun to wave a little bit of that uh, over, or even have it on the side as a dish. You could use you know. that. You could use that <laughs> as
0: part of an of a pomegranate agrodolce.
1: Yeah, that would be yummy for something like that. Mm. Um, I
0: love that stuff. Venison shank also like with uh, uh, corn pudding or uh, mm-hmm. spoon bread. Spoon bread,
1: and the whole thing with you know spoonbread was that it was a sideboard dish and that's so nice for families to serve it that way in a casserole dish or a great gratin dish whatever you have and it's it's really simply you you cook um polenta or cornmeal in cream with a little bit of salt and pepper from the beginning and then you just cook it for a few minutes and you add eggs to it and um and lay it out in a in a casserole dish and bake it in the oven in a water bath um, and, oh, my gosh, at, say, 325 degrees, depending on how tall your dish is, you know, it can be done in 30, 45 minutes. And um, that's just delicious. And all you have to do is pop that into the casserole, you know, server and put it on the sideboard and or put it on the table and let everybody help themselves. And I love spin bread. That's just it's so satisfying, especially in the wintertime. And, and it's different from polenta in that it has the eggs baked into it. So it has a very different texture than polenta does. It doesn't taste that dissimilar, but
0: does have a different texture so what it's a different tact but we're talking about cold weather cooking cold weather sweets what do you want
2: you want well, something warm right? I do
1: I, I tend to think of hot chocolate hot chocolate hot cake um, or really sort of things that bring back memories you know like walnut cake my mother used to make a black walnut cake so did my grandmother and my great grandmother meat um, pie I think of that I think of all those sorts of sort of stronger, well, and cookies, quite frankly, but definitely nice to have a hot dessert, or or even if it's like a a hot crumble or a hot, you know, um, you know, apples with with you know brown sugar and butter and breadcrumb on top coming out of the oven, or a puff pastry dessert coming out of the oven can be so wonderful and easy to make.
0: You know, we had that open house, and Katie made all these cookies. There were these ginger chocolate chips that were just the best damn thing I've had in forever, coming out of the oven hot. Oh, yummy. You know, like with a little espresso in the morning when they're eating, I'm like, oh my God. Mm. The rest of my day is going to be worse than this. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how good it is, you know.
1: Well, my- even
0: if all my teams win, the rest <laughs> of the day is going to be worse than this moment because this is warm and it has that little... It was the, the Yes, there's little chocolate, but the, the ginger, the, that's, that spiciness mm-hmm. of that and the scent of the coffee... Perfect. You know, sometimes that gets you. So that, I, I'm wondering, like, hmm, how can I direct the picture chef to give me those flavors, <laughs> all of those flavors in a warm dessert, you know? Right, yeah, that would the be... The coffee, the ginger, the chocolate. There's, there's got to be a way. Maybe it's uh, in a ghetto or something like mm-hmm. that, you know? Yeah, layers. Yeah, for That's, sure. Uh,
1: yeah, m- m- my mother, being Pennsylvania Dutch uh, cook, uh, would do sugar cakes, and she always made the batter. Uh, before dinner so and left it in the refrigerator so that she could make drop cookies right near the end of dinner and bake them to order and we would have them for dessert. I will not forget that. That that was re- cuz I've had them cold. Obviously she would make the rest and we would eat them cold, but to have them hot out of the oven, I'm with you on that. That was very special. It was very thoughtful of her to think to do that for her family. My goodness. It's not not hard enough to make dinner for five people, you know, you get up from the table and you drop some cookies on a sheet pan and bake them for everybody. It's pretty neat. Yeah she used to do a – she would either put sugar on top or she would do a a burnt butter icing.
0: How often did you sneak away from the table and get a little bit of the cold batter?
1: Oh, gosh. Never because I wasn't allowed to get up from the
0: table.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but believe me, I would have loved to. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because yeah. the, the, the other wine thing, it's, uh, the, the reason I ask about the what sweets, the other wine thing, like this is the time of the year for the, the treats, right? So oh, sure. that – but things that warm you. So the first thing I thought like, oh, port.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you want port wine for. It's very nice for cheese. But honestly, as it's, its own treat, or with nuts, like just toast walnuts for a minute, yeah. have them warm. You know, and and a tawny port. You know, even just like simple, like ten year old tawny port. And port very. So there are a couple of different kinds, right? The three most typical ones that you discover, vintage port are the famous ones, and a lot of the famous houses produce. Um, the vintage data ports in certain years that so they declare. Uh great ones have been uh ninety-four, uh, uh 85, 77. those are you know, the, but and, and and back and back and back and back. You know, that mm-hmm. um and the, the houses that are well known, Taylor Flaggate, Grams, Quinta Donaval, I mean that that there's lots and lots. Um, but there's also Tawny Port and I think that's the most typical one that you'd want to keep around because vintage port, you open it, it, has a huge amount of sediment. It's big, rich. It's wonderful, but it you have to you do have to decant it because otherwise it looks like you've been chewing tobacco for a while oh, in your teeth okay. if you're drinking it. Okay. Um, which is, maybe that's attractive for you, maybe it's not. But that's <laughs> not my bag exactly. Um, but you, that's that's what vintage port does. Tawny port is um the color is tawny um and usually it's age 10 20 30 years once you get more time like the 30-year and 40-year versions they are very expensive Uh, 10 can be very reasonable from the best houses uh, like a graham which tends to be a little sweeter or a taylor which may be a little spicier Mm
2: -hmm. you know or
0: Dow, which is a little bit sort of just like beefier in some ways Um, those are three of the famous houses and their 10-year style is all very good those are more modest price-wise and reasonable to have around. And honestly, that's your for that ginger chocolate chip.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There, there's your glass of you know glass of port, and you want it cool the same way that you'd want a red wine to be cool, not cold, got it, but not 75 degrees no. you're in the room. No, you know you Feel want. Like it, my mom want... used
1: to keep her port in a decanter on the coffee table. They didn't. I mean, no. that's just the way it used to be. She yeah. used to keep sherry in there too. And then you know it's just not the right. That's old-fashioned. Not the right way to yeah.
0: do it. Sherry, it, it well depends on the type of sherry, but but especially the lighter sherries, they suffer at, at warmer temperatures. Um, port wine suffers at warmer temperatures. You lose some of the aromatics first and foremost, and part of the job is for it to be refreshing in its way. Got it. Um, so you want it to be cool. But also remember, this is not like a six-ounce glass of wine is a pretty normal serving. Ugh. For yeah. port, it's a about, lot of port, it's about it's 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 maybe three, maybe a little more. That's
1: why the glasses are so cute. Well, I love the I, little glasses.
0: Though honestly, I, I, I like just a regular, just tasting glass. Okay, you know, for for port, it's just fine. And though it's it's nice to have a little cute one like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I like the aromatics. That's part of it is also, um, but a lot of times people don't notice that because the alcohol is higher. It's twenty because it's the wine is fermented and, and finished sweet. But then it, it has alcohol added to it to bring the proof up, and also to stabilize it, Okay. And, and stop the fermentation while there's still sugar that's there. So there is some sweetness that's there.
1: Do they do they blend from like? Do the is there always some really old port in there? Like when they do sherry? Does
0: no, it, no. I mean, usually it's it it it's, it's a, targeted ten year that 20 year, year. Yeah, that, yeah. Clean. The, the vintage date is that one year.
1: I got it. And do, yeah. does each house declare a vintage, or does all? The they region declare have their
0: to, own, but the, w- if the whole region has a really region. good year, yeah, right. You know, like nineteen seventy-seven, everyone declared nineteen
2: seventy-seven.
0: <clears throat> um, and then there, there's uh, ruby port, and ruby port is usually the least expensive, very tasty, accessible, easy, and that's your sort of gateway to to port. And it's the kind of thing it doesn't necessarily require other other things but it's certainly fine honestly a little dark chocolate and some ruby port there are a lot worse combinations in the whole world than yeah. that all right
1: um i'm going to have a christmas dinner so i should i didn't even think about getting port for everybody so that's a good idea
0: yeah i'll do a, that it, honestly it's not not such a bad gift either that's a good we, idea. i know we did a program like about that. gifts we didn't talk about that but yeah. it's it's a treat that you don't have all the time but this time of the year it's a you know little, little fireside glass port with friends is not so bad mm-hmm. um, Madeira is the other thing that I always want something for love Madeira and especially if you if you find Vintage Data Madeira it's you know it's fabulous. Uh, that's fabulous that's sometimes you pour that in a glass and it's just the entire room smells like it's the best candy shop in the for
1: world for sure for sure yeah it's, the aromatics are beautiful
0: um, that's and M- Madeira is you see the different you see Rainwater Madeira, which, again, like Ruby Port, is the accessible version. Madeira is a white, not a red wine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's white that it is it's literally it's cooked to some extent in a controlled way. Uh, and I'm not going to give the entire story of it, but th- there is always that caramelly flavor to it. It has good acidity, though. There the are four different varietals that, that are different sweetness, you know, that Malmzi or Malmzy has the sweetest, and then Bilal and then Videlio, and then corsial is the driest mm. um but Social still has some sweetness to it and but they get they get richer and sweeter as you kind of go so oh,
1: and something else
0: there. and they bottle those as 5 10 15 year
1: okay mm-hmm. And some, you know, something else that I never drink is sweet champagne. How do you feel about that after a meal? Ooh,
0: I mean the, the Laurent Perrier uh, bottling Harmony. I think is the best ones in the market right now. Hmm. That's their wines in general have been really superb. That's if I was going to put champagne with pastry right now, especially like you're talking about having you know like oh, like a warm cake out of the oven, like or for a souffle or couldn't take on chocolate in a dessert but it, like all chocolate like kill me with chocolate kind of dessert no in order for and the, honestly refreshing too obviously
1: yeah very yeah so do they add sugar to the dosage at the end is that where the sugar comes the, from for the, sweet champagne
0: the, the, the dosage okay yeah all right cool It's just different formulas for different and you can sweetness bet levels.
1: and half bottles are pretty available do you think or not i don't Am know I mean, if,
0: if harmony is in half bottles uh the Laurent Perrier but it modeling. would be nice
1: to be able to get a half bottle just you know so you don't yeah. have to pour so much um just yeah. a little taste but you know it, you're not okay. drinking port it's not like as you were you know wh- what does the port pour like an ounce or two
0: pour I uh, pour usually three ounces three what ounces? you think okay and then for um,
1: champagne you would just drink a regular glass amount yeah sweet champagne I mean yeah. yeah
0: okay yeah just that that's one if you make if you make excessive decisions to, to consume that you will pay an excessive price because of the sugar. That's always the case, though.
1: The sugar, right.
0: Anyway, that's... Mm-hmm. that's. I'm, I'm hungry and I want sweets. <laughs> um, that's but that's all we have time for today, Cindy. If you want to listen to this program or any one of our others, uh, please go to the WIPR website, wipr.org. Look for the Former Wolf page, and you can find a big menu of goodies there with past episodes and this one as well. If you want to correspond with us, it's email foremanwolf at wypr.org. Uh, let's see, social media for Cindy Wolf.
1: You can follow me on Instagram or Facebook as Chef Wolf.
0: Uh, for me on Instagram, it's the real Tony Foreman. And thanks so much for listening.
1: Happy Sunday.